Hello, and welcome to the Dutch Podcast Summer School Edition. I'm Dr. Jacqueline Smeaton, Chief Medical Officer at Dutch, and I'm thrilled you're here to learn more about hormone health and functional medicine. The Dutch Podcast is taking a break from its usual format to bring you some enriching conversations with our Dutch clinical educators. We'll be diving into case studies of actual Dutch reports and exploring how evaluating hormones and hormone metabolism can help you get to the root cause of your complex patient problems. To learn more about Dutch testing and the extensive hormone education resources that are available for free to Dutch providers, visit our website at dutchtest.com backslash providers. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Dutch Summer School. I'm so excited for you to join us today because we're going to talk about one of the hormone imbalances that affects the most cycling women in America, PCOS. One of the first things is we should talk about what PCOS is polycystic ovarian syndrome. Um, some of the common symptoms that come along with that are irregular cycles um, where patient and potentially patients aren't ovulating during some of those cycles. Really excited to talk with Dr. Brooke Onaman today. Dr. Brooke is one of the clinical educators at Dutch, and she's such an expert in this. She's really going to break down for you not just what PCOS is and what happens mechanistically, kind of behind the scenes, but how you might use Dutch testing to really get the most information for your patient. One of the things is that we can see some patterns that you might not always see on traditional serum testing. So sure, we can see like the absolute value of like the androgens like testosterone and DHEA and DHT that are there. Um, But we can also sometimes see that relative then to estrogen because sometimes you'll see higher estrogens as well. So if you're accustomed to running serum testing to look at patients PCOS, which I do all the time, looking at testosterone and DHEA sulfate, you're really going to see how you could miss a large category of cases. We're going to talk about what else you can look at on the Dutch test to make sure you're really getting a good look and looking at things like adrenal contribution, the contribution of different metabolites of androgens, and how you can use what specific changes you're seeing on the Dutch test to dictate and influence the treatment plan that you're going to build for your patient. So you're in for a hot episode today, so stay tuned. Dr. Brooke Onneman is a licensed naturopathic doctor in Oregon. She graduated from the National University of Natural Medicine. Before joining Precision Analytical as a clinical educator, she ran a successful family medicine practice in Portland that focused on men's and women's health, pediatrics, and complex chronic illness. She loves using nutrition, herbs, and lifestyle to really support people, as well as all the conventional medical tools available. In today's episode, we're talking all about PCOS, the symptoms generally associated with PCOS, and how androgens might affect someone with PCOS. And you're also going to get the chance to see the Dutch test results of a patient with PCOS and learn a little bit more about how PCOS shows up in a Dutch report. So welcome, Dr. Brooke. Thank you. Thanks for having me. We're so glad that you're here. And and really, we see a lot of patients with PCOS that do Dutch testing. Yeah, this is a large part of the number of consults that you do. Definitely. Yeah, it's a common reason that uh, providers are running the test and that patient wants, wants some answers. Yeah. So maybe we should start by just talking a little bit about PCOS for those people who are, are maybe patients thinking they might have it or, you know, practitioners who are kind of newer to learning the hormone space. What are the symptoms that you generally see in a patient that would lead you to suspect that maybe they're experiencing PCOS? Yeah, I guess one of the first things is we should talk about what 
PCOS is polycystic ovarian syndrome. Um, some of the common symptoms that come along with that are irregular cycles um, where patient and potentially patients aren't ovulating during some of those cycles. Um, symptoms of high androgens. We see like facial hair, body hair, um, kind of unusual uh, or excess of that. Uh, we see acne show up. Um, and then a lot of times it also can go hand in hand with metabolic and issues and insulin resistance. Yeah. It's funny because I know like, I'm not sure when you went through training, but since I graduated from school, like the criteria for PCOS, it's like one of the most rapidly changing as far as how you diagnose and, and really, um, it's really a spectrum. Like I always tell my patients, if I think of rather than PCO syndrome, I think about PCO spectrum because there's actually some interesting studies that even women who have regular cycles tend to have about one cycle per year, which is irregular, like longer or, you know, and that, that can be affected by the same patterns of hormone imbalance that lead you to a diagnosis of PCOS. So it is interesting to think about like that, those patterns that you see, sometimes you don't meet diagnostic criteria, but when you look at labs, you're seeing things trend that way. And I always like to remind patients with suspected PCOS or with those symptoms that it's not really a black or white diagnosis the way some other things are. It's really, it's like an imbalance that you fall into when you're out of great health. And all of us have those. Some people it's digestion for these women, it's hormonal. And you, know, you, you start to see these things kind of crop up. Yeah. And I think that's part of the tricky thing is that there isn't like a set test or a way to like diagnose it. It's really a clinical diagnosis. And we do have some set criteria where a lot of them are based around symptoms um, where we have like those excess androgen symptoms, or maybe we see high androgens on lab testing, um, or we have those irregular cycles that cue us in that there's anovulation happening, um, or sometimes we have imaging, but it can definitely be women can fall under the radar on some of those testings too, and still have pretty much the picture of PCOS. So right. yeah, it's definitely a spectrum. Yeah. I mean, even the name is kind of historical because it used to be that you had to have cysts on your ovaries to be diagnosed with PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome, but now you don't even have to have them. So it's just, I would just like kind of keep that in mind as people are listening here. So tell us a little bit more about androgens and like, what are androgens and what do they have to do with PCOS? Yeah, well, androgens are another one of our sex hormones. Uh, traditionally, we think about them as the male hormones, but women have them and they are important for women. Um, but there's problems that come along when you have too few or too much in the case of like PCOS. So um, that's kind of where we you need a little bit for like well-being, bone health, muscle mass, things like that, libido. Um, but when there's too much, it can cause a lot of symptoms and problems. Fertility too, I'll add. And it's yeah. kind of cool that women with PCOS tend to preserve fertility until later in life compared yeah, to women cool. without PCOS. So it's like, because you have so many androgens around your ovaries and your follicles stay a little bit healthier. So, um, yeah. that's like the one upside. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. If you could just get them to ovulate, then it's great. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> when you make ovulate, you're going to have like the healthiest eggs ever. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about when it comes to Dutch testing, why is Dutch test such a well-matched test for women with PCOS? 
Well, I think um, one of the things is that we can see some patterns that you might not always see on traditional serum testing. So sure, we can see like the absolute value of like the androgens like testosterone and DHEA and DHT that are there. Um, but we can also sometimes see that relative then to estrogen because sometimes you'll see higher estrogens as well. And then the other part that's really unique, I think, is that you get to see the balance of 5-alpha reductase to 5-beta reductase, which in PCOS we often see an upregulation of 5-alpha reductase activity, which is how you metabolize your androgens. And if you're going down that pathway, it's going to exacerbate a high androgen picture because your androgens are going to be more potent. You're going to make more of that very potent DHT. Um, so that's a little bit more unique to get to see that. And then you get to see progesterone as well, which can vary um, depending on the cycles for women and their particular case. Um, sometimes you'll see very low. They didn't ovulate. Sometimes you'll see suboptimal. Sometimes women are ovulating regularly, even with PCOS. So, so I want to kind of break this down a little bit because I think this is important and something that is like a common point of confusion. So when we as clinicians are doing kind of serum workup for females with PCOS, normally we're looking at like free and total testosterone and DHEA sulfate. Any others that we're missing just for the androgen piece of it? You'd also want to do like a metabolic panel like you talked about and fasting insulin, fasting blood glucose, hemoglobin A1C, all those things that look at um, whether metabolic health is being negatively impacted. But for now, let's just stick to androgens. So are there any that I'm missing that you'd be checking in serum? Um, I would say that's probably the most typical. Occasionally you'll have a provider maybe run DHT, but I would say that that's pretty uncommon to see that. Okay. Typically it's just testosterone. Okay. And some of those we can see in urine on the Dutch test too, right? Yeah, exactly. That's the piece is you get a fuller picture, I think. You get okay. to see both the metabolism as well as those actual levels. Okay. And then you mentioned the 5-alpha and 5-beta metabolism. And I want you to kind of slow roll that and explain what you mean. Like, what are we talking about when we're talking about enzymes that make alpha or beta metabolites? And I think that's probably a newer piece for a lot of people. Or if you've done Dutch tests and you're looking at reports, like you probably feel comfortable with seeing the testosterone and DHEA on there, but maybe don't know as much about how to interpret those metabolites. So can you just kind of re-explain that again for us? Yeah, so we have those circulating like hormones, like the DHEA and the testosterone. And then as those are in circulation and uh, tissues are seeing them, there's two enzymes, 5-alpha uh, reductase or 5-beta reductase that are metabolizing them. And then we have, so we have these downstream metabolites. Some of those metabolites are more androgenic or more potent. Um, and so women are going to feel that more. And that's that upregulation of 5-alpha that we see with PCOS, where as testosterone is circulating, if it's being metabolized heavily by 5-alpha, we're going to see more DHT, which is more potent even than testosterone, which I think a lot of people don't know that there's actually androgens that are stronger mm. out there. Yeah. And now that's also irreversible. Like once DHT is made, it doesn't interconvert as readily, right? Because we talk about this with men too, because DHT can be a problem. It's really important during puberty for sexual development for boys, for males. But then once males become older, having too much DHT can be problematic and they experience like male pattern baldness or higher rates of prostate cancer or prostate. Yeah, maybe it's not prostate cancer, but prostate disease. 
Um, so it's interesting that that can be a problem for men, you know, for males and for females. So what you're saying though, is that you know, you might have normal serum values of testosterone and DHEA and normal values on the Dutch test, but then you might see these really potent androgens, um, androgen metabolites in really high levels that are completely leading to those symptoms that the female is experiencing, but you just couldn't pick it up with the basic serum. Exactly. And that's, uh, I think the case we're looking at today, it's a very overt picture of PCOS, like everything's high, but certainly you'll see times where if you were to just look at like testosterone, estrogen, things may look normal. And then if you dig a little bit deeper and look at some of those downstream metabolites and that metabolism, you start to see a really robust androgen picture that maybe is pushing you more towards that PCOS picture. Hmm. Okay. Well, let's shift gears to the case that you're going to share for us. And if you guys are listening on your phone, you know, out on a walk or something like that, you can click on this in the show notes. Um, or, you know, if you view it, we'll, you know, put the link in there for you. That way you can open this up and follow along with Dr. Brooke, but I know she's going to do such a great job explaining it. If you don't want to pull it up, that's okay too. Yeah. So, I mean, what we're seeing here, uh, we have a 38-year-old female that's been diagnosed with PCOS. And what we see is a really a robust hormone picture. Like we're seeing a lot of sex hormones for her. Um, we have high androgens. We have both high, high normal, like she's not quite above range on this one of testosterone. Also high DHEA. So we see some adrenal contribution there as well as probably ovarian contribution to that androgen picture. Um, and then the piece with that is sometimes with PCOS, you'll also see high androgens like we do in this case, because some those androgens can aromatize to estrogens, right? So they can add to that estrogen picture. And we are definitely seeing that here. Um, and then another common picture I think I touched on before is this low progesterone, because what's happening, those cysts that we're talking about in the ovary are lots of little kind of immature follicles. So they can make some progesterone, but you're never really getting a good ovulation to get like a nice, robust progesterone, or sometimes you do and sometimes you don't. Um, so in this case, we're getting pretty suboptimal progesterone. Um, and then if we do move on and look at that androgen metabolism, we see that pretty heavy 5-alpha lean, which again is pretty common. And that can be twofold in PCOS um, because there can be a genetic component to like which enzymes are upregulated for each of us. It can also be worsened by an insulin resistance picture because that will upregulate 5-alpha activity. It will also upregulate androgens. So it, it starts to sometimes yeah. become chicken and egg. Chicken and egg. I know kidding. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then another piece that I didn't mention before that I really like that is included with the Dutch test when we're looking at PCOS is the adrenal profile, which here it doesn't look as terrible or as it sometimes can. But stress is such a big factor, I think, in managing PCOS for women. And I don't think we always talk about that because a lot of women, we can start to manage the symptoms and get to a good place. And then they have a really stressful period of time and it all just starts to show back up again. Um, so it is definitely one of those things that's a big factor. I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to ask you about that. And it's interesting because you mentioned earlier, like ovarian contribution of androgens and adrenal contribution. So can you step us back and explain just how our androgens made and what do you mean when you talk about ovarian and adrenal contribution? 
Yeah, so our androgens are made both adrenally and by the ovaries and peripherally, like we're getting some contribution there. So sometimes, like you'll hear people talk about it, where we have like more of an ovarian PCOS picture or more of an adrenal PCOS picture. I think in this case that we're looking at, we're actually seeing a contribution from both pretty equally. Um, sometimes you can feel tell and sometimes you can't, I would say with that, um, with that picture, but yeah, you can have either or both, um, kind of contributing androgens there. The adrenals, uh, there's a lot of it is DHEA production that then goes on to contribute to testosterone. Mm-hmm. So when the adrenals are, you know, the HPA axis gets stimulated and the adrenals are kind of called upon to increase their cortisol production. Is DHEA typically made about the same rate or are those independent? Is that what you mean where like stress can be a trigger? Um, They're both part of the HPA axis, but they're not always made at the same rate. So sometimes you'll see, as we do in this case, with pretty normal cortisol production, but we see high DHEA production. Um, So for whatever reason, I'm not sure if we always know exactly why we'll see one of those higher than the other. Hmm. Yeah, great. And tell me a little bit about how you might make some basic recommendations for this patient um, that's experiencing PCOS. No, they have a little bit of adrenal contribution, obviously really high androgen levels and, and, you know, metabolism through 5-alpha reductase being preferred, that's really not optimized. So, you know, what can this person do? Yeah, and that's part of the interesting piece about getting to see that 5-alpha metabolism is that is an area that we can shift, right? Like we can put in therapies and or lifestyle recommendations that may balance that out and turn down the dial on some of those androgens being made. Um, So that's where we might think about like including 5-alpha reductase inhibitors. We think about like saw palmetto and stinging nettle root and reishi all being really good at that. Ultimately, too, like working on if there is insulin resistance, which there isn't always in PCOS, but I would say at least 50% of the time there is some factor there, that that becomes a really important part as well. Because if there's insulin resistance, you're always going to see that upregulation of 5-alpha reductase activity. Um, you can also help clear, move androgens to estrogens and actually increase aromatization to try and lower that burden. Um, we think about like white peony and licorice as some of the classic things that might do that. And then from there, you can help clear out estrogens, either improving the phase one, phase two metabolism, or by just like helping to clear estrogens out um, and lower those overall. Um, some providers might use dim short term. I mean, fiber kind of it's always including the foundational things like we've got to get the diet in check. We have to like get the exercise on board, stress management. And then we start to layer in therapies. And a lot of it, I find varies patient to patient in PCOS because how the disease uh, presents can be very different. Some women don't have many androgen symptoms. So it's really working on the underlying piece or getting cycles regular and getting them ovulated, ovulating. Um, sometimes some women are like really have a lot of like acne and hair and really want to work on that. And that may be more important to work on that 5-alpha reductase activity. Hmm. Yeah, that's great. It can be so complex in its presentation. So finding therapies that can really fit the patient's goals and there's a lot of long-term health sequelae for females that have PCOS that we need to be 
considering, you know, kind of that preventive medicine action. So I love that you include what I call the simple, but very difficult <laughs> lifestyle changes that we ask of our patients. We're like, it's very easy. Just like eat a low glycemic diet. That's it. Very simple <laughs> suggestion. But then when it comes into putting that into your lifestyle, it can feel quite yeah. challenging. Yeah. Yeah. I often, I, I recognize for patients, like those lifestyle things become the hardest habits to change because that's maybe not what you're used to. Um, so it's again, like, but if you don't get those in order, then it's always going to be an uphill battle. So. Right. And with a lot of these, at least, you know, from our naturopathic approach, there's no like silver bullet drugs, or we don't think that that's the best approach anyway. I know it's like, our goal is to get you off of any supplements and living a lifestyle or medications and getting you living a lifestyle that's keeping your health in good balance. And this is definitely one of those circumstances where it can be done and done really well, but sometimes takes a lot of attention to that. Yeah. 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 And that's what a lot of the uh, supplements and like things are really working on like that symptom relief. Like they're not always affecting the underlying issues. Um, I mean, some of them can improve insulin resistance, things like that. Um, but ultimately, it's going to be the lifestyle that is the long-term support that's needed. No one ever wants to hear that, but it is. A solid <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Great. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Brooke. It's been awesome having you today on this episode of Summer School. So thanks for taking time out of your summer day and joining me today. We are so grateful you could join us for this interesting and informative dialogue. If you want to learn more about hormones and hormone testing with Dutch, there are many resources available to you when you become a Dutch provider. Register today at dutchtest.com backslash providers to gain access to free educational tools like the Mastering Functional Hormone Testing Course, a self-paced online course designed to help you become a hormone expert. Dutch providers also have exclusive access to the Dutch Interpretive Guide, which is full of insights that will help you apply Dutch testing in your practice. And our Dutch clinical educators host one-on-one and group consultation sessions where providers can learn how to interpret patient reports. Become a provider today to learn more about how to access these resources through the Dutch Provider Portal. And thank you for listening. We hope you'll join us again.